Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Matt Simmons and Sullivan Harris join me today to rake in the new year as we count down our picks for the top 10 favorite movies of the 2010s. Alright, very, very special episode of the Film Podcast today. Happy New Year, one and all. We got Matt Simmons here, Sullivan Harris here, two of the biggest movie fans that I know are coming together to talk about the 2010s. Very, very interesting decade. How are you doing, guys? I'm doing lovely. I'm stuffed full of Christmas cookies. I'm also pretty great. I could go for some Christmas cookies right now. <laughs> um, Alright, so... The, when we're recording this, we only have like five or six more days left in 2019, and then the 2020s are going to start, and it's crazy to think that this is actually, I was just thinking about this yesterday, that um, this is the first d- full decade where I've been actually, um, where I remember like all of it, like right. cognitive mm-hmm. for it, because like, I mean... 2000, we were all like, what, three, you know? Yeah. We were still like pissing our pants, who knows? But, Sucking on the DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's been a... There's been so much change in the industry um, for films. Like, I mean, obviously we've seen the rise of um, streaming services. And we've seen the rise of Skywalker. Yes, <laughs> just recently. Um, and obviously superhero movies and big franchise movies. Mm-hmm. Um, what's What do you guys think, like, how has the industry changed since when you like first started recognizing uh, or like paying attention to the film industry until this point? Because like, I feel like it's more like focused on... Um, you know, there's obviously the big commodification of film and more franchises and series are coming out. And, but there's also like more recently the past, like five years or so, a more focus on independent movies as well. Like we're, we we're in a weird state now, but what is, what has changed for you guys? What is notable? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, you, you do point it out that I feel like when people look back this decade, they'll see it as two things like the MCU decade, because that just dominated And then also, like, yeah, the rise of a lot of indie studios, you know, being able to make projects that were more personal to them and, you know, more award type movies. But people still went and saw them, which was always good to see. So I I think you kind of have that dichotomy between the two. How many superhero movies are on your list? On on my top. uh, I only have actually one superhero movie. I haven't. I think yeah. I also only have one. And it's one, kind of an unconventional one. One. I only have one, and it's in my honorable mentions. But I have three franchise movies in my mm. uh, in my top ten. What about you, Sully? I came very close to putting three in there, but I settled on one. Okay. <laughs> there were three. Like when I was making the list, because like I put movies in the list as I go, and then I'm like, oh, but there's that movie, so I kick a movie off the list every time I think of something better. And it's usually the superhero movies mm-hmm. that go first in that situation. <laughs> what about you? Like, what change have you noticed, you think? I don't know. Like, I mean, we talked about this in the Scott Pilgrim episode. I was, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the transition from blockbusters to, like, indie films, I think, is the biggest thing. When the decade started, it was, like, really the only movies that were succeeding and getting wide distributions were, like, big blockbuster hits, like, adaptations of things, stuff like that. And now with A24, like we were seeing a lot of uh, indie movies getting distributed wide, getting put on the big screens. And so like, I don't know, that's like the biggest change I've seen. And then in addition to that, it's the rise of the TV era. So like a lot of things that we would have previously seen, like adapted 
into a movie franchise or a single movie are getting adapted into TV shows now, which I think is really changing the market. Well, the audience is wider and the resources are there. So like most people are like, you can't just like fit it all into one movie. Like so many people want to do this like mm-hmm. sprawling epic to make it like a seven episode miniseries, whatever that right. they put on um, Netflix. And then that becomes popular. So then another season, you know, gets mm. like, that's basically kind of like the whole thing with like, like True Detective or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts off as one season and then it turns into this anthology and you can't fit it all. So like there's more creativity happening, I feel like, but we also see uh, like more people relying on sequels and relying on um, some people saying like on original ideas or reboots mm-hmm. or anything. It does seem like we're in a time where a lot of the reports say theater attendance is like declining. And so then you had, you know, subscription services like MoviePass, which, you know, came and went. Rest in but peace. AMC, we were big fans AMCA of List and oh, the Regal One and uh, all those, like, trying to get people back. And I think the way we do that is by, if we're going to make these huge blockbusters, make them a little more complex, interesting, I think... I, I think we we it, it'll be interesting to see in the coming decade what happens with the movie industry, where you know what the numbers will look like. Will people start coming back to the movies, or I, you know, it's hard to say, right? Or is streaming just going to take over and everyone will just be sitting on their couch watching Netflix movies? I am always hopeful that like there's always going to be the market for people who want. The market is always going to be there for people who want to go to the theaters. Yeah, That's definitely. why I'm. I don't think theater chains are going to die. Like I think no, always no, be definitely around. not. The it's experience. Just, yeah, know? and it's the same thing that like you know, you know, film is always going to be there too. Like shooting on film. You know, a lot of people say digital is the new thing, or even like people are switching some like to um, like virtual reality or even new ways to make a movie. But like mm. film, there's always going to be people who want to use film. So like, I'm hopeful that like we'll have more ways on watching a movie, but I think the theater experience will always be there. And I'm, um, that's like my main way of watching a movie. Like I just personally love that. So with the change, I know that um, I'm at least hopeful that we'll um, keep the experiences that really get to the essence of a movie. I also think what's interesting is that this decade, particularly in the last, like, I guess just, yeah, this whole decade is we've seen a lot of, um, in terms of advertising, really attachment to a director's name as much as, mm-hmm. as being a st- top build, like a star, as much as the actors in there, like people like Christopher Nolan or um, like, like Tarantino, obviously, like you put their names alone on a movie. I feel like people are going to go see it. Sure, sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think you also sometimes see a lot of the production companies like now with A24, for a lot of indie fans, you can just say, oh, it's an A24 movie and they're immediately interested. Uh Like how many times are we like, oh, that movie looks cool. Oh, it's made by A24. And then we tell our friends, oh, you know, that's an A24 movie. (laughs) But they've like marketed themselves of having a very distinct style of movies and like Stuff that we hadn't really seen before in terms of genre. They're, they keep bending the genre. Even stuff like, um, you know, like Blumhouse. I was going to say, every Blumhouse movie that comes out now, they're like, from the it, producers right? of Get Out. It's like, <laughs> you're, really, you're really sticking with that one, aren't you? Just milking it. Milking yep. it. <laughs> but they know how to get it. Like, they know they've tapped into the genre and they have found ways to keep the, um, I guess, the tropes of the genre, but also adding something new to it. So I feel like there's also so much room for new studios to come up. And a lot of people talk about in terms of decades, like the 70s is like, you know, one of the golden ages or even like um, the 90s with the rise of independent movies or something. Mm. Do you think that this decade is going to be one, before we get to our list, is this decade, do you think, one that is really going to be, is really one for the books and going to be continually talked about? Or is it one that was like, it was good, but we're going to have even better? 
It's hard to say, right? Because yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're just sitting now, now yeah. and this, this is all about like what will retrospect look like. And it's hard to say, like looking at all the movies I've compiled, there's some solid, solid movies and like some really, really good stuff that came out of this decade and really fresh ideas, original stories. So I think, you know, give it 20 years, people will look at this decade as like a very good decade in terms of just, you know, good movies and good film. I definitely think it's like a turning point movie, mainly be, or turning point decade, mainly because of all the reasons we've said about studios and um, franchises. But it's definitely going to be one to study. I'm definitely curious as to what the next decades will bring because of how much um, change we've seen. Yeah, I wonder like how long will the MCU be sustained? Mm-hmm. Like, what will they do with these new, like the new Batman movie that's coming out of Pattinson? Maybe suddenly DC gets a burst of energy again. Like, who knows? Like that realm, at least, what that'll look like. Who knows? But for right now. Let's get to our lists. So how this is going to work is we'll, we'll, we all have our top 10, and then we also have honorable mentions. We'll start with our honorable mentions, just do quick comments on them, and then go one by one, 10, 9, 8, 7, all the way down to 1. Um, so I have to say the first half, like the top half of my list, very easy to make for mm-hmm. me. It was like I know the first five, I'm, I'm good. And then there was the bottom five that I was like, but this could be here. Like this could no, be like, exa- like I, if, you, mm-hmm. if you made me made this list again in a year, it'd be probably different. It's completely. I mean, different. the top four are pretty locked in, mm-hmm. but after that, it's like, Oh, maybe this should be above this. Or it, it's so hard to rank individual movies against each other when they're nothing alike, you know? Yeah. Uh, the way that I was ranking it was based off of mainly personal enjoyment, emotional affection. Um, has it aged well? Like has it sustained the initial viewing and, uh, does at least maybe this isn't the main thing but like does it show what um this decade really Hmm. speaks to me about um in terms of film um so i'm gonna read my honorable mentions really quick um this was tough four of these honorable mentions were in competition with my top with my 10th spot um so i have a lot of those too yeah (laughs) so honorable mentions uh are gonna go to the master Black Swan, Arrival, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Nightcrawler, Inception, Call Me By Your Name, La La Land, Steve Jobs, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. Now, those first four that I... Or the the Master Black Swan, uh, Arrival, and Nightcrawler... All were in contention. Um, Nightcrawler was fighting for my tenth. It was so mm-hmm. hard. Like my tenth one, you pro- you guys are probably gonna be like, "What?" That's your tenth one? Like, after I read those Josh, four. I know what it is. No, it's <laughs> no, cats. You- <laughs> How'd you know? Um, Movie forty three. Was that your tenth? Oh, no. <laughs> Stop. That's ugh, you guys are ruining Spoiler. my list. Um, but it was so difficult because, like, I mean, it'll make more sense when I when I read my tenth one. But like. All of like as I was making this past week, it was like, well, I like this one for this reason, but then it's like, no, this one actually like was like I've seen it many more times, or like this one affected me because of this performance. It was like so tough to like you know switch them around. Um, I mean, The Master is my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like I had to put it on there. It, like I said, it, over there will be blood. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Uh, there right. will be blood is a close second. Don't get me All wrong. Right. Um, but the reason it was the reason because of The Master, Black Swan Arrival, Nightcrawler is because of the performances. All of them totally. featured lead performances that are, are all complete standouts of the decade. Um, the Master, I think, is the one that almost took the spot because it has three of the best performances, in my opinion, in Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Amy Adams, um, all of who were nominated. Black Swan is Natalie Portman. Arrival has Amy Adams again. And Nightcrawler, obviously, has um, Jake Gyllenhaal, which I'm sure, from one of you, we will talk about that oh, performance. Oh, we'll be talking later. about that again. Don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, 
Inception because I mean Christopher Nolan. I have like I think three movies overall that are from 2010 in my honorable mentions and in my list because of how they just come right out of the gate. And Inception is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. And I don't know, it's just something I keep coming back to and keep thinking about. And it's I think that is a standout of the decade because it really solidified him as this. Um, he's you know starting to end the Batman age. I mean, he does one more Batman movie after this, but then it's like, okay, this guy really loves to manipulate time and really mess with your head, but you're locked in um, for those movies. And these are all like, I mean, well, all I can I just say, I also like when cities fold. Yeah, I mean, like anytime a city folds, I'm 100 percent absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Just a small comment, like that he did Inception between the two Batman movies. Like, I'm surprised that they weren't like he wasn't forced into that back to back or something. Like, it's interesting that he that even happened. You Mm -hmm. know, well, because like with the MCU, it's like you'd be contracted. You do this now, you do this now, you do this. The Russo brothers are stuck. You know, doing however many. He had a significant amount of time between each Batman. I mean, what um, begins comes out in 05. Then there's a three-year gap. And the prestige came up between that. So it happened yeah. twice oh, that he crikey. got to do movies yeah. between. That's interesting that he like that happened. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Um Grand Budapest Hotel had to put a uh had to put a Wes Anderson movie in there. It was between that and Moonrise Kingdom and thinking about it, Grand Budapest, I think just is my favorite Wes Anderson. Uh listen to the episode. Yep, the go they'll listen to it with Casey Clark. Uh and uh, Into the Spider-Verse was in competition for my favorite animated movie of the year between this and one that you will see on my list uh, later. But those are my honorable mentions. If you guys have any other comments, or we can move on to Sully's honorable mentions. Oh, I've got honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a long list. Uh, like you, a lot of these were fighting for spots, my thing. These are all just movies I enjoyed, like Social Network. I think there's like a very strong case on the internet right now being made for Social Network being the movie of the decade just because of how important Facebook is in mm-hmm. the junk. But Nightcrawler, Knives Out, Ooh, um, Burning was a great movie. Is it, oh, I still haven't seen that one. But it's yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Frank, Okja, oh. La La Land, Us, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hit nope. me, Josh. That came out in 2008. First Roland all. Emmerich, right? I know, but I just put it on there because it's it's in the decade. Okay, fine. Movie <laughs> takes yes. place in the decade. <laughs> Or you just put the whole year in general. In <laughs> yeah, everything that came out in 2012. Yeah. Uh, Under the Silver Lake, Train to Busan, one of my favorites. Ooh, Train to Busan's good. Yeah, Hereditary, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy, John Wick, uh, Age of Ultron, which nice. I wanted to put on my top 10. Ooh. I really did. Um, I put Knives Out on there a second time. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it didn't make the list, but it's good enough to mention it twice. <laughs> and then Whiplash, Ladybird, Call Me By Your Name. That's my that honorable mention. Solid list. That's kind of like um, a list in like, itself. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see what else you got in that top ten. Yeah, what list. the hell's in my top yeah, ten? Yeah. Right? <laughs> is movie forty three in yours too? Like, <laughs> Wait, it's on both. You put it on alert. It's, not, no, it's no. all of our number ones. <laughs> That's it for today. Well, it's not that good. Number yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay, sorry. it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, some really great picks. A lot of ones I still have to see. Burning, uh, I still have not seen. But Knives Out, I was I actually kind of thought Knives Out would be on your list at least. Burning is the wise. one with Stephen Yoon. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. Okay, right, right. That movie's incredible. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Mm. But not on my top ten. <laughs> Ooh. And Matt? You want to hear was... some of mine? Okay. I, uh, <laughs> all right. I, I probably wrote too many honorable mentions. I kind of broke some of them down into categories because like, I wanted to give a shout out to all the genres. So mm. my favorite horror of the decade was It Follows. So I want to give a shout out to that one. Uh, animated 
I, we got Kubo and the Two Strings, Inside Ooh, Out. Give me some Kubo. Yeah. Inside Out, I we, got, Kubo. we got Into the Spider-Verse as well, which I also put parentheses that it's my favorite superhero comic book movie of the decade. Ooh. Um, there's one more animated one, but you'll see that later. Uh, then comedies. So these are the, some of the ones that made me laugh the hardest. Not that all of them are full-on comedies, but we got The Nice Guys, Eighth Grade, mm-hmm. This is the End, and The Favorite, which is a very funny movie. Hilarious. And then some. here's some other honorable mentions. We got The Lobster. We got Mission Impossible Fallout. Which is the best Mission Impossible movie, in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. We got There's Arrival. No we got The Descendants, so make me cry every time. We got Drive, uh, Midnight in Paris, uh, The Social Network, Her, and I want to give a special honor. It felt too soon to put into my top 10, even though I think in the future it may be there. Uncut Gems. Oh. Uh, I like. I really want to put in my top 10, but I'm like, I need to sit on it for like, I, it's like too soon. To, you know, I don't want to have recency bias affecting me. So, but Uncut Gems really good. I will not lie. That was the same thing with me last night when I saw it. I was like, could this be in there? But I'm like, no, I definitely need to. It's just it. like, but, damn, why can't Adam Sandler do this more often? Yeah, like, he's yeah. so good in it. Yeah. We, we, we'll probably do an episode on that in the future when it comes out. But if you have not seen Uncut Gems yet, you must. It's my personal favorite movie of the year so far it's just absolutely incredible um speaking on your comedy track i have no straight comedies in my top 10 but in my opinion i think the funniest movie that i've seen and it was really hard because i didn't think this movie was that super 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 strong in straight comedies um i think that's more of the 2000s um mm. is the, yeah 2000s is definitely stronger for um, comedies but I say the funniest movie that I saw this decade was um, The Nice Guys. I have to give that's us, a good call. Uh, it's, yeah, a yeah. shout out to that. And the the favorite. I'm glad you said that because that movie yeah, is hysterical. It is really yeah. really funny. <laughs> and like obviously from just the look of it, no one would think comedy. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But I have to give. I definitely have to give it another shout out just to the brilliance of Shane Black and The Nice Guys. It's it's so, a very funny movie. Mm, I and Mission Impossible Fallout definitely the best one mm. uh, in the series. Um, so without further ado, are we ready to get to our lists? Let's go. All right. So starting off with number 10 for me, we'll go um, myself, Sully, and then Matt. We'll go one by one. Uh, so as I said, my the m- movies fighting for my number 10 uh, were The Master, Black Swan, Arrival, and Nightcrawler. Uh, and they were all up there at one point, the more I thought about them. But I had to settle on number 10 because... On this number 10, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time, it came out early in the year, 2011, and that is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, I respect the pick. I respect the pick. Like I said, three franchise movies in my top 10. That is one of them. The reason I landed on this is because when I saw it back in 2010, it's one of, if not my favorite movie-going experience of all time. It was... I saw it with my brother and a bunch of our friends in our local AMC theater before they put the new chairs in. So it was the classic. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, it was great. Um, And they just packed so many people in. We did a double feature of part one at nine and then part two. Oh, they offered that? That's mm -hmm, cool that they did that. At midnight. And as soon as I left, I I couldn't sleep that night. I was so uh, just amped with joy. I've been a massive Harry Potter fan ever since I was a kid. And this was... A, though you, it helps that you watch all of them to get the emotional impact. It's still one of those movies that I can watch and nothing feels stale. It still mm. looks great. It's acted like perfectly. The emotions still hit, and I can still have a great time. I was actually just looking today because I was like, "That's the shortest Harry Potter movie, right? It's two hours and ten." Isn't minutes. that weird that the it last can, one's the shortest? It could be so much longer. And I wait, can, it's two hours and ten minutes, and it's the shortest. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, some of those Harry Potter movies are. Chamber I think most of them are all two and a half hours. or over. Yeah. Oh shoot, I didn't know that. <laughs> Chamber's long, yeah. 
Um, but it's still one I I love. I just love to rewatch it. Like usually during the summertime, and it really takes me back to the summer of 2011, um, a very pivotal point uh, in my adolescence, and uh, I couldn't help but put it on the list. I, no, I I respect the pick a lot. I mean, as we've talked about, my favorite's Prisoner of Azkaban, so if we were doing a 2000s list, that might sneak on there. Well, but... Deathly Hallows Part 2 doesn't end with a freeze frame of Harry on it. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is the one thing I do not understand. I, why that's they the strongest it. argument I've ever heard <laughs> for Prisoner of Azkaban. That is the only thing I like hate about Prisoner of Azkaban. As much as I love Prisoner no, of Azkaban. No, yeah, yeah I, like I still don't know why they did like, that. It's, like, it's such a weird ending. Clearly, like, when that, 2004? Yeah, right? it's, yeah, like, it's yeah, so yeah. clearly like, all right, like, like Alfonso uh, Cuarón, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, I went to look for my favorite Harry Potter movie is Half Blood Prince, yeah, and I was going to put that. Two. That's that would have been two. like in my top five, but it's another two thousand nine. Some people hate Half Blood Prince, which really upsets me because I the cinematography alone is outstanding. That's the thing, yeah, right? Like, like, that's the thing. It's so all the uh, what's every the thing shot, called? every single shot, is say, stunning. But all the sequences, like in uh, what what is the thing? The oh, the, the pensive, um, yeah, yeah, pensive. Yeah. All oh, those yeah. sequences are so cool, and it's also and hilarious. Like, it's it's really funny, really yeah. fucking funny. And it, the thing I like about the, we're not this isn't even in the decade. I'm just gonna say this real quick. The thing I love about that movie is it gives the main characters time to just be teenagers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like they just do teenager stuff, and mm-hmm. I love that. And it's even, again, even more emotionally impactful than some of the other ones. Hmm. As much as I love all of them. But yes, my number 10. I respect it. Yeah, yeah. Good pick. My number 10, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2. Sully. I'm jacking into it. Let's have this conversation. What's number Endgame. I had Endgame in my honorable mentions until I left here. And like, I need to it put it in. wasn't even in it? No. Oh, my God. I have Endgame at number 10 because of what it represents. It's a fair, yeah. Because I think we have... A lot of these, whenever we talk about superhero movies, we talk about, okay, does it stand as its own on mm. a movie? And I hate that. <laughs> I'm starting to hate that because Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War proved that it can be a part of a franchise. Yeah. And you can just assume that the audience has seen every movie if you make movies that are good enough. Yeah. And like that movie, it was just like the mo- the theater experience and like just the culmination of this whole 12 year thing. It's like a like the legacy i'm giving yeah. it the legacy spot yep no certainly to be able to culminate 21 movies before it like it, it was no small feat kevin feige mm. is a genius I, I give him all the props obviously all the directors too that worked throughout it but he i think he knew how to plan this thing throughout and i don't think we'll ever see anything quite like endgame ever maybe mm. something in the future will top it box office wise but just in terms of like the scope of what, justice how league it- didn't do it for you <laughs> <laughs> and i can't can't say it did uh but yeah i don't i don't think we'll see anything even if the mcu continues they'll never have something like this it's just it's not gonna happen yeah it's good to have this conversation because i it was tough for me to take it off and even in my honorable mentions just because i kind of wanted to keep it to 10 but it's well that's it, why you have me who has terrible taste <laughs> to fit it into my top 10 i do but i do love um that again that and last harry potter movie are like tied for my favorite movie going experiences it was like something that you had to do earlier in the year to be a part of the opening weekend right. box office value uh and i saw it three times in the same weekend and i loved it every single time and yeah. it's great yeah it it works so well to show that they planned it all out and they um built up to this amazing finale it was perfectly like timed that it came out in mm-hmm. the end of the decade mm. um, and i mean also like this is best of the decade and i mean like this is like this the end the, of yeah. a decade-long movie, so yeah, very, very I, I'd true. feel pretty bad if I didn't put it on yeah, the list. That's totally fair. No, absolutely. Good pick, good pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, my number 10. We're just going to briefly dive into Matt's anime corner for my number 10 pick, which is your name. Oh, okay. The highest grossing anime film of all time. Uh, I've seen that. If, even if anime is not your thing, I beg you, listeners, please go out of your way to see your name. I truly believe it's the single-handedly, like, the most beautiful animated movie of all time. I don't think it's the best animated movie of all time, but I do think it's just absolutely gorgeous. And then from there, it's a really raw, emotional movie. The romance that's built between the two leads is really, really great. The soundtrack is incredible by a rock band, Japanese rock band Radwimps. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> I, I don't need to say too much about it, because I know YouTube... I don't think either... I, well, no. no, I haven't seen it. Uh, but I highly recommend it. Really good. It's my favorite animated film of the decade. And that's why I just snuck it in on number 10. Okay, no more anime from me. I'm sorry. <laughs> just a little hint into uh, our friendship. Matt, I think, references some form of anime every single time we're hanging out, and I think it's the cutest thing and in the he, world. And he just looks <laughs> at me with so a clueless funny. face. Like, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I will. I, there are so many anime titles I need to watch. That is probably right at the top. Who directed that? Is that uh, Makoto Shinkai. Right, yeah. Who had, had another one coming out this year, Weathering With You, which I haven't seen yet, but mm-hmm. I do have tickets already for comes out in January in uh, around here. So you yeah. got to get those right when they come out. Those yeah. are in high demand. They, they are, honestly. <laughs> Those theaters get packed, mm-hmm. actually. All right. Keeping along the animated track, as I said earlier in my honorable mentions, in, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse um, was in contender for my favorite animated movie of the year, but it was beaten out by my number nine pick, which is Inside Out. Oh, um, a gosh. movie that uh, killed me the first time Ooh, I watched yeah. it. The first I was blown away because... I like the. They also marketed that movie really well. The first trailer was like talking about like how self-aware, like it almost was self-aggrandizing too. How much Pixar really taps into your emotions and makes you cry. Right. And showing clips from their old movies and then introducing all the emotional characters that are in the movie. But I'm always down for a new Pixar movie because when you look at it for this decade, there's not a whole lot of original Pixar movies that came out. A lot of no, the holy trinity of. Ratatouille, Wally Up, that's the 2000s. They mm-hmm. got that. So, yeah, this decade, Pixar-wise, I so think, it's like you know. It's Inside Out, Coco, and. Are we just talking, like, in terms of original? Like, the original Pixar <laughs> and movies. Brave. And Brave, yeah. <laughs> Which I still have not Don't seen. Don't forget the good dinosaur, too. Uh, um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. But. but most of them have been, you know, like, as much as I love, like, Toy Story 3, and mm. even just this, this year, uh, Toy Story 4, like, Inside Out stands the test that, like, Pixar still has the ability to make. Uh, original um, movies and with characters that you can instantly attach to and showcase experiences that you have had yourself at some point. They have found a way to just like tap into your memories or psyche and just make something that you can put yourself in and Inside Out does that with incredible voice acting from everyone involved, an amazing score by Michael Giacano and just everything about it like i cry every single time and it it it's the animation obviously is just absolutely beautiful and it's in my top three pixar movies um it's my num- number it's my number one pixar movie wow yeah in incredibles and ratatouille and ratatouille's then, a close second you out. know i don't shut up about ratatouille nope, never, never. <laughs> um but and then and also it just shows i think that pete doctor is the best director that's working at pixar his new movie is coming out uh, it's called soul which i'm unbelievably yeah. excited for i'm definitely more excited for that than onward but we don't need to get but that. either way um pixar is here to stay and this is the movie that i think this is one that if you want to get an introduction to pixar this is one uh, at least in the five that you can start with well said mm-hmm. number nine for me is mad max fury oh, road oh boy <laughs> mad max is also on my list same with me as well mm-hmm. uh that i don't know that movie's just great i just rewatched it like two months ago and i was like whoa um 
one thing I hate about movies is when it spoons, spoon feeds you everything. That movie spoon feeds you nothing. Mm-hmm. Throws you into the world and you got to pay attention or else you're going to get lost. And even if you don't pay attention, it's still like fun. Yeah. And I love fun. I One of the complaints I remember hearing about that movie, it's only really only the the only complaint that I heard was that um the character development is really low and I completely disagree with that. I feel I like, also disagree with like, that. Like I think what's brilliant about that movie is it does it all visually. Like that mm-hmm. shot of Furiosa in the sand just yelling after she found mm-hmm. one out. of my favorite shots. It's like, unbelievable. Ever. <laughs> like it's just like so like it's such raw emotion. Well, and there are so many shots in that movie that are just like instantly iconic and is because you're so connected to the characters. Yeah, exactly. Or like even when the one truck is exploding and max is like on that little wire thing yeah, like going like or that, the pole vault thing it's absolutely oh, yeah. wild easily um it's the best that it's probably the best action movie of the of the decade i would say of all time although some people may call me crazy but <laughs> <laughs> wow that is definitely a it's a it's, it's a, a conversation yeah. i'll definitely give it to you um but as instantly when i saw i remember like you and me when uh when it was initially coming out, you were like the only one that I remember being also equally excited yeah. about it for me. Um, because like it wasn't really one that people were talking about because Star Wars was mm-hmm. coming out later that year. And I mean, that was coming out early in May. Not a whole lot else was coming. Or Avengers had come out, I think, like the weekend before mm. or something like that. And so there wasn't as much focus on Fury Road in my like circle. So when I saw it, I was like, everyone needs to see this movie. And obviously it was a sequel, but it doesn't like you can watch that movie. I have not seen yeah, any of the other Mad Max. I've only movies. seen the first one. It does, yeah, you can just watch Fury Road. Wait, what what do you think is the best action movie if not Mad Max? If not. Or is it on your list? Uh, it's on my list. Okay, yeah, we'll talk so about. So we'll it. get to Ooh. it, I guess. Okay, yeah. okay, fair enough. I had to think for a second. No, it's. I yeah, also it's on think my list. that uh, Tom Hardy's overdubbing in that movie is the most hilarious yeah. thing I've ever seen in cinema. <laughs> Especially when he's on the car and they're like, "You took my, they took yeah. my, and now it's they're taking my blood. Now it's my car." Yeah. And it's like clearly his mouth not moving yeah. at all. He's like, just like staring forward. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love Mad Max Fury Road. And Matt. my favorite part oh, about sorry. that though is that uh, Heather didn't notice. Oh, really? <laughs> she did not notice it. <laughs> Love it. And Matt. So my number nine, we're gonna. It's a little film called Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling we may have that also on some other yes. list. That's on my list. If you want to know our thoughts about it, just go listen to our episode. Just yeah, we now. have a whole two hours on our thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. But so at least I'll just say that I adore this movie. Uh, I think it's just the most fun, vibrant movie. It's it's hilarious. It's the action's good. Everything about it is just like pitch perfect. Edgar Wright is just great. Um, Baby Driver, you know, he he had a similar style there, and so I think he's just turning out to be a phenomenal director. Can't wait to see what he does next. And this uh, movie got me into movies. Like this sure. is the movie that made me want to start going out to the theater more and like getting in on the ground floor of movies that are coming out so I can be part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, I didn't see this movie in the theater. I remember I, didn't the, I remember the trailers for it and I think you guys talked about this in your review like the trailers didn't do it justice. And I think no. it was it's just such a hard movie to market, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, I didn't see it in theaters but then I remember people telling me like you you should see it. Like they just knew I would like it. And sure enough after I saw it, I was like, "Wow, that's amazing." I you know, I later went up going as uh, Scott Pilgrim for Halloween. I got the yep. one base shirt he guy and i got some wristbands it's pretty easy costume and i still wear that shirt all the time uh yeah great great movie there's nothing more that i can add to our discussion or what you've said of why i love i also love that movie edgar wright is another one of this decade who is just like 
you see his name and you're just like, I gotta go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a new movie coming out in uh, in March, I think, called oh, Last I'm Night in Soho. So it's like a horror movie, right? Yeah, yeah, just horror. It's not a comedy. It's straight horror, and I can't wait. Um, that, that gives me chills. That movie is yeah, just endless fun. It fits perfectly in like. You can tell it was made in 2010, but not in a bad way. No. Like, because I yeah. watched that movie and I think like, because I saw it like when it first came out on TV, like later in 2010 mm. after it came out. And I was like, I just always remember where I was in my life, like at that point when I watch it. And I just, because that's kind of like one of the points of the movie that we talked about is like yeah. kind of this point in your life where you're not really sure what's going to happen next. You're kind of in this limbo state. And that's kind of where I was. And I was like, every time I watch it, there's new things to find out. There's new ways to analyze it. And again, absolute blast easily. Agree. All right, moving on to number eight, a movie that come, came out in one of my personal favorite years of the decade. This year was a was one of the first years. This movie came out in 2013. It was the first year that I remember going to the movies um, to look for the Oscar contenders and really start to analyze movies and what they did to me. And this was the one of the movies that really got me more into writing and thinking about filmmaking, and that is 2013's Her, um, mm-hmm. a movie that is... Um, my mom actually just said to me, I don't understand why you like her that much. This is why I like her that oh much. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Take so, first of all, the, one of the big reasons why it was the first movie that I noticed how color can really be um, an integral part of the story with the reds and the pinks mm-hmm. and the grays. I would definitely say the same for me. Yeah. yeah. like And the fact they filmed in L.A. and Shanghai and that they just meld so well together. And it's so beautiful to look at. And it was also one of the first movies I remember being like, this is a love story, but it was like, it felt so, it's so modern, even though it's in the future. And I rewatched it just, I think like last summer and it still holds up um, two amazing performances from Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, And a movie that just is so, takes you through such a wide range of emotions. You're happy, you're depressed, you're like heartbroken, but then you're hopeful at the end. And it never fails to amaze me that the guy who plays the old grandma on Jackass wrote and directed this movie. Yeah. And it was <laughs> the one of my favorite movies of the decade. I love it so much. And it it always, it just touches me every single time, like right, mm. uh, right in my heart. And it, it makes me feel really, really great every single time I watch it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was in my honorable mention. So I still do love the film. Initially, when I set out to make this list, I thought it'd be in my top 10. And then I rewatched her. And I still do love it. Don't get me wrong. My only thing was some scenes kind of verge on melodrama a bit. Like they're a little, I feel, over the top with their emotions. But it's still a great film. Mm-hmm. Every Scarlett Johansson is flawless, even though it's just her voice. But you can tell she's acting every moment. Like it's not just like it's it's so good. Yeah. And I would have loved to see her like get nominated for this, even though it's just it a voice. Like it would, I, it was never gonna happen. But she's so good, you know, as Samantha. And there are definitely a couple scenes in that movie that may be a little slow, but like I just love the way that Spike Jones directed it and just everything about it. Still, it still holds up. Yeah, and Chris Pratt was in it. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah, in it. Chris he? Pratt yeah. role. <laughs> so strange he's in that. Yeah, and Amy. Adams is great in her limited amount of screen time and yeah yeah that was also on my honorable mentions but I did accidentally delete my entire list about 15 minutes before leaving <laughs> <laughs> so I had to retype it and I forgot to put it back on oh, yeah. was there though okay <laughs> all right Sully what's oh, your eight my number eight is boyhood Ooh, Ooh good good choice nice. good choice boyhood is just insane <laughs> And I think it's, like, really representative of, like, the uh, shift in spirit towards, like, more independent movies Mm -hmm. and, like, directors really getting to, like, really go out on a limb to, like, tell some sort of story like it's never been done before. 
2014, really, really great yeah. year. Um, definitely one of the standouts. If 2014, not, yeah. If 2014 that, crew. Yeah, if that's mm-hmm. not the standout for um, this decade, but like... Yeah, just like the... But the sheer dedication to film, you know, a couple weeks every year and like yeah. just waiting to see what this product would look like. How much passion you had to put into it. Yeah. How much willingness you had to have to like shift the script as like the kid grows exactly, up and like exactly. has his own personality. Mm. And the performances are really good oh, too. Oh, Patricia Ethan Arquette, great, yeah, yeah. And, and Patricia Arquette, Wins. both of them are fantastic, and it's yeah, it's crazy to see like them just consistently being good actors throughout the film. My brother joked that L.R. Coltrane, he's like, you know, you may cast a kid when you're young, and then he grows up and he's a terrible actor. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I could see how you could see in the later stages of the movie, he's like not great. I think mm-hmm. he is probably better as a kid than as a teen. I mean, sure, he works yeah. really good as this burnout teenager, like later. Yeah, on, I, like, I think his like mm-hmm. look is like perfect. Yeah, I, yeah, I I really enjoyed the film. I remember after watching it it's like a three-hour movie and then even after that i was like wow i felt like i could have watched that for another three hours yeah, like yeah. it was just captivating just life yeah and there's no real set story structure to it it really mm-hmm. is kind of this like literal slice of life movie and again so effective and yeah definitely the switch like again like kind of halfway through the decade into more um freedom for independent movies mm-hmm. um great great pick thank you josh You're welcome, <laughs> <bud>. <laughs> all right my number eight is uh, my pick for the best... Well, now, now I'm actually looking at it because I guess technically I have a movie above this that's also romance, but I think it's the best romance in a film and uh, it's it's made me cry and it's beautiful and it's Call Me By Your Name. Uh. It's uh, a wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, it, it's one of those movies that like after I left, I was just in this state of like euphoria almost leaving the theater. It was like a winter day it was snowy out and i was just like i like my mind was just clear except thinking about the last shot in that movie which i don't want to spoil but like would that'll stick in my mind forever and just timothy chalamet's performance is incredible army hammer's great michael stolbach's great uh it's it's just there uh luca guada i'm gonna butcher his name yeah (laughs) he he captures romance in such just a beautiful way i love the screenplay i'm glad it won for Mm -hmm. james ivory um it's it's just heartbreaking. It's beautiful. It's everything you could ever want in a romance movie. I don't know. I love it. I well, love now it. that we're here for this, I'll have this uh, conversation. 2017 is my personal pick of best year in Ooh. film for the decade. I I had uh, attached myself to so many of those um, movies that came out. Like some of them, we'll talk about a little bit later. It was tough for me not to put "Call Me by Your Name" on this list, but uh, I I just rewatched it recently too, and it's still. Um, affects me the same way Michael um, Stuhlbarg's monologue um, in the third act never Mm -hmm. ceases to make me just weep Um, it's a beautiful story and it started this um, it started this uh, this new love of movies for me where it was like a story that seems like it's only like only you're watching like only you're privy to Mm. and it's like it's the characters and then you're let in on this like almost the secret or like this Mm -hmm. hidden gem i like that i like that thought and it's also like extremely nice in this era of like blockbuster high stakes movies where it's like the world is always on the line to just Mm -hmm. have a movie where it's like one kid's feelings are on the line yeah pretty much yeah and it doesn't like on paper it seems like well that's not high stakes then you watch and you're just like Oh yeah, my God, like you can't, especially in the end when they have like that. Mm. Is um, I don't want to spoil it, but there's the phone call, and you're just like, oh no, you get so easily invested uh, yeah. in these characters because they and, feel like they're people that you know too. Yeah, yeah, it's so personal, and yeah, just in that way. And also, shout out to Sufjan Stevens who wrote two songs for that movie. 
both really good songs. Mystery of Love should have won the Oscar. It not should've. Dang Remember Me Coco. Yeah. But whatever. Was I digress. The Shape of Water one. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah. Kill me. <laughs> no. How many movies were 800 times better than Shape of Water? There, there was a lot of good years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Shape of Water, but yeah, there was a lot that were way stronger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about some of them in a minute. Um, Green Book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven for me. Talked about already. Mad Max Fury Road. Um, yeah. what, there's not a whole lot to add. Um, right when I saw yellow. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love yellow. Yeah, a lot of yellow, a lot of orange. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, like high, high adrenaline um, from the get-go. There's really no moment, maybe even just one moment just to breathe. And even in that moment, you're like on the verge of tears like when you find Which out. Which is why I think it's the best action movie. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't, it never stops being an action movie, really. Mm-hmm. And it like they and the use of practical effects, minimal use of CGI, fantastic performances. The Doof and, Warrior, yes, Doof Warrior, <laughs> uh, a guy playing a flame throwing guitar. What he, more could you want than a flame throwing no, guitar? It could be if you put a flame throwing guitar and call me by your name, it would have been the best movie <laughs> of the decade. Like I like, <laughs> it makes everything better. Um, Josh, you know for a fact that if there was a flame throwing <laughs> guitar and call me by your name, that would be my number zero. <laughs> <laughs> Best movie moment of the decade. But yeah, Charlie's um, Throne, incredible. She's Abs- so good. Yeah, and it just shows how great she is and everything. And like, also put Tom Hardy in more things, right? Please, like he, like he had such Let me talk too. <laughs> I would also like to see another Mad Max movie. I mean, George Miller said he wrote like three more. I, I don't know if I'll ever see one, but mm-hmm. you know, I hope we do. I definitely think he should have won uh, Best Director yeah, at the I Oscars agree. that I year. Agree. Was he nominated? I think he was. Yeah, I he believe be. uh, AGI won for The Revenant. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, which I understand. But, yeah. You know. But yeah, Mad Max is my number seven. I love it and will always love it. I have one that about three people saw. Uh, American Animals. Ooh. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> which I like that movie. I absolutely loved. Uh, that movie got a lot of hate for like making you sympathize with the main characters or something which but, i don't I mean, understand it's not that sympathizing it's just making them human which right. they are yeah and like it never at any point asks you to not hate them right because what they did sucks <laughs> and i think the movies it's beautifully made it's made in an interesting way with interviews with the actual people yeah. and like and i didn't even know that was happening which just like shocked me when i went in mm-hmm. that the actual people are there walking you through the story and like the, it just had like a lot of very Edgar Wrighty like transitions and mm. stuff between scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, just like a great movie. It, it was a good movie. I, I love heist. I like, heist movies yeah, are my the, favorite. The actual heist when that yeah. happens in the film is unlike any other heist you ever seen. I feel like in a, any other yeah, heist for movie, sure. it's so like claustrophobic and it's mm-hmm. raw and real, and it's so yeah, yeah. It's like icky what they and do I to love the poor that lady. It, like, it pokes at like. Uh, the tropes too by having that mm. dream sequence of the heist like going, going like perfectly. Yeah. He's like, oh, thank you. Set and to a like, little yeah, less conversation. It's, so and it's like, yeah. And then you get to it, and it's like just like, oh, your face like goes white. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like this. Uh, I definitely need to see it. I do love a good heist movie. But that was my favorite of 2018 as well. My Ooh, favorite nice, movie yeah, overall. Nice. nice pick. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. All right. What? Are we, wait. What are we on seven? Yes. Okay. My number seven. I actually just watched today. Just to make sure I did still like oh, it. Re- you rewatched. I rewatched oh, it. Okay. Not like I watched movie today, threw it on the list. No, uh, I rewatched <laughs> it because it's been a while since I've seen it, and that's Black Swan. Uh, uh which I think Natalie Portman's performance in the film, I think, might—it's definitely my actress performance of the decade, and maybe of all time. I don't know. That's hard to say, but she's so good in this movie. It's 
Aronofsky is one of my favorite directors. He's so good at creating like, you know, this tension and the psychological horror. Uh, Mila Kunis is really good. Vincent Cancel, Vin- I can't say get Vincent, Castle. Vincent Castle. Uh, he's great. He's always good as a slimy guy. And uh, <laughs> Winona Ryder is good in the couple scenes she's in. Barbara Hershey is her mom. Everyone's really good. It's it's such a tight movie. It's it's perfectly paced. It's so damn good. I agree. I also just rewatched it a couple days ago, and yeah, Natalie Portman in Black Swan definitely one of the best performances of the decade. I'm a huge Aronofsky fan, and that. Uh, this might be my favorite of his movies. Yeah, it's, it's uh, my favorite it's, of his. I didn't realize how short the movie was when I was yeah, watching it and it was over. it and flies like, by. And not to spoil anything, the way they do the ending. Uh, the is ending is perfect. gave me goosebumps no, when I rewatched it. Like it's Just from the last shot to credits, mm. just the way that they do it is like, as, even the first time I watched it, I was just absolutely blown away. And everyone's been talking about how that's one of the best because again right out of the gate 2010 um everyone knew that it was and natalie portman was like 27 when she did that movie Mm. and it's an incredible performance and like so icky but like also just like you're so invested and um it's disturbing but it's also like again about the obsessed um artist and a story that feels real with like so many people and yeah, I definitely think it was in my honorable mentions and fighting for the 10th spot. And just one more thing that's very cool is that Natalie Portman, I think, did like 90% of her dancing. She had a double for like some of the close-ups and some of the spins and stuff like that, but she did a lot of her dancing, which is really impressive that she you know took the time to do that. So. CGI in that movie still holds up. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. All right, we're moving on to number six. Um, number six uh, did for me uh, what boyhood did for a lot of people times 10 and that's moonlight from Mm. 2016 um i didn't know what to expect from moonlight going in um the trailers i think are just mark like the way that they did the trailers so well done because i more recently i've realized that like going into a movie completely blind and like not really like knowing very very little about it is like kind of the best way it's typically the the best way to go yeah yeah i just did that with uncut gems i only knew a little bit and it made it so much better but moonlight uh did like i don't even know how to describe it it like awoke such an emotional response for me the way that they split it up into three acts from three different time periods um they casted it perfectly with all three actors like playing off of one another um in their um, respective age differences um Herschel ali gives one of the best performances of the decade um even though he's only in the first quarter or the first third of that movie you feel like you just watch him and you're just like i just i you feel like my dad right now. Mm. Like I want you to be like my parent and, um, Barry Jenkins just shines as a director who we need to like look out for, um, in the coming years because he like made something that seemingly when you look at it, like very, very minimal in terms of story, like, um, very general, but put so much of himself into it and made it so that we can also put ourselves into it about growing up. Um, and, like struggling to be who you are and um, putting on a facade of something that you're not. And it's a movie that is heartbreaking to watch at times, but also just so great to revisit on each reviewing it with each reviewing. It gets better. Yeah. I, I could go for a rewatch because I definitely liked the movie a lot, but I didn't ever feel compelled to put on like a list like this, even though I, I was, you know, one compiling this list, I was looking at some other like uh, websites, publications, lists, and Moonlight was in the top five for like a lot of them. So definitely one revered by critics. Yeah, it's one definitely you got to um, go back to. 
you missed a huge opportunity there. Why? To say that La La Land. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a joke like, oh, that was the La La Land but one best picture, right? Mm. Uh, oh, wait. Oh. Moonlight. <laughs> Man, I remember watching that just being like, oh, what? When the guy, yeah. when the guy he's like, there's a mistake. I'm like, what is happening? What? And then yeah. when he holds it out there, oh, my goodness. I thought he was just being nice. I'm like, okay, that's a, that's a weird thing to do. But that's like, he was like, no, we don't yeah. deserve this. And like, that's kind of weird, but it's kind of nice at the same you time. You got Warren like, Beatty looking confused like, what the fuck happened? Like, let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, my number six is Swiss Army Man. Oh, great I, pick! Great yeah, pick. <laughs> I couldn't not include it. It's just like it's so fun. Just that movie a is great hilarious. time. Daniel Radcliffe is so good in that movie, and just so much creative energy. Yeah, like with the music being like made on the spot on set. Like they'd just be like, "Hey, Daniel Radcliffe, can you sing a little Jurassic Park?" And he'd be like, "Sure." And they make a whole like instrumental track out of it. It's like that movie is just like energy just kinetic energy mm, and it yeah. just, just feels good it's shot well i love it it is yeah it's an absurd movie like i don't find myself i loved it a lot but i don't find myself recommending it because i'm afraid people will like watch that and be like why would you recommend yeah. me that movie i made my mom watch it and she didn't like it <laughs> case in I point took, it, it took me a while to see it um i had heard so much about it mainly from like our friend group uh and when i I knew some of it going in. Like, I knew Daniel Radcliffe was like a dead body and like he's mm-hmm. alone on this island. And I was like, how could you, how can you keep that going? And it, like, it almost seems like when you read the concept of it, it's like, this seems like a short film yeah, kind of idea. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're able to stretch it out and make it like so much more personal about like being true to yourself and doing And I think a lot of it is the performances. Oh, like, yeah. Like, the absolute commitment of the of Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe yeah. to this insane like, concept. I feel a little crazy for saying this, but I genuinely think Daniel Radcliffe should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I could get behind that. Like, I know probably very few other people in the world think that, but like, I, I, he's so good and he's mm-hmm. so convincing as like mm-hmm. what a dead body maybe and like the progression like. of him becoming like more, more mobile and more mobile yeah, yeah. yeah. like just or the like, physicality of it in it, itself it's yeah he's so good and he's so funny yeah the movie's really really the dialogue funny. is really great in that movie. yeah Very, it's so funny. oddball and funny yeah i need to watch it again because i mm-hmm. i quite enjoy that movie yeah all right this is the one i looked at and i realized this is also a romance movie and i do love the romance in this movie and i think it's a great encapsulation of childhood innocence and that's moonrise kingdom oh <laughs> uh, solid. for you know i questioned if I like this or Grand Budapest more, uh, as far as Wes Anderson movies goes, and over, uh, I think, if, uh, I don't know, one weekend when I was here over the summer, I, I rewatched Moonrise Kingdom and I said, yeah, yeah, this is definitely far and away my favorite Wes Anderson movie. It's just, I think he takes everything that he does in all his movies and just, it's so encapsulated in this one and it's so focused and I love the romance between the two. Uh, we haven't seen either of those actors really anywhere else. I, I really love both of them. They're mm. so good. Uh, obviously all the supporting cast that's frequents all the Wes Anderson movies are there, but I just, I love this movie. It like touches my heart so much and it just like gives me such, it's just like, so yeah, it's like this heartwarming feeling and it's like a big hug of a movie. I love it. I I don't think you could have put it better. Um, that I love Moonrise Kingdom too. I go back and forth about that in Grand Budapest. I've, I have just said recently that Grand Budapest is my favorite, but there's something about Moonrise Kingdom that felt less Wes Anderson than some of his other movies because mm. it's more focused on the romance than anything right, else. Yeah. Like in a lot of the other ones, it's like the romance is kind of the B plot. Sure. This is the main center mm. focus of the movie. And they set it in such a weird, like 
it's New England, but it's also in the middle of the woods, and then it's like, it, and it's like, the, yeah, it's like an island. And I love Bob Balaban coming out. Yeah, that's the best. Like that's just such a creative way to like set the scene. And uh, Edward Norton as a scoutmaster is, oh, I he's so good, unbelievably funny. And there's so many good yeah. good lines in the film. Uh, Lucas Hedges we got introduced oh, to. Yeah, that's right. Lucas Hedges was the yeah. Man. He's yeah, like he's the, the the evil scout. Yeah. Oh gets yeah, stabbed. he was. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. that was him. I really didn't. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, it was, I just, I love it so much. Was that his first movie or? Uh, it might not have been like his very first, but I think it was the first, first one I've probably yeah. seen. Yeah. yeah. That was 2011, right? 12. 12? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I, it's a great one to rewatch. Yes. Too. All right. We're moving into the top five. Woo! Yay. Getting down mm-hmm. to the nitty and gritty. This one has been mentioned, I believe, on uh, both of your honorable mentions. The number five uh, for me, again, Topping critics list of the top uh, 10 movies of the decade across the board. I couldn't not put it on the list. It's The Social Network. Of course. Um, it's uh, a movie that, I mean, I couldn't not put an Aaron Sorkin movie on the list. I also couldn't no, not. Yeah, if we were doing like top screenplays of the decade, this would probably be in my top three. Absolutely. Yeah. All, all of my top five are like my favorite screenplays yeah. of the decade. Um, I couldn't not put Sorkin. I also couldn't. Uh, not put David Fincher on here, even though he's had only a few movies this decade. The way that everything came together so perfectly, again, right at the start of the decade of 2010, is everyone at the height of their power, Sorkin's best screenplay, David Fincher's um, deviation from the norm of his movies, and uh, command performances from Jesse Eisenberg and um, Andrew Garfield, which are two of the standouts. Garfield's incredible. Um, How he didn't get nominated is beyond me. stupid. (laughs) And the fact that you can still watch it now and everything holds, like mostly everything holds up, like the CGI of the Winklevoss twins still looks great. (laughs) I think I was going to say the CGI of the the breath. You know how they added the cold breath? Oh, right. Because they weren't actually filming (laughs) as cold. It's pretty noticeable, (laughs) but it's a minor name. Um, That's amazing. Um, All of the performances, the score... Is one oh, of my top five favorite scores yeah. of all time. Yeah, Trent and Reznor, Atticus Ross, like incredibly like game changing too. Honestly, like, that was the there's first time no... we had a score like that, and there's been so many attempts at replicating it like yeah. since. Yeah. Then there's no one that can do it. Mm-hmm. Only they can, and mm-hmm. it's um, and you could. I still listen to it when I'm just like I'm trying to get work done, or like yeah. whenever I want to put it on, it can it's still. It's crazy how many listens "Hand Covers Bruise," which like the the track that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, has like how many listens it has on Spotify, and that's just like how many people like really love the score, and it's incredible. They did, they won, right? Yeah, yeah. Deserving score, editing, and screenplay, all of which are very deserving. Um, and I think we also have to mention just how like topical it is because yes, the, absolutely, like the more time goes by since that movie came out, the more you're gonna get out of it when you watch it because of what's going down in the media. Like, yeah, just continually, it, continually, continually. Yeah, the only thing they miss is that they didn't talk about how he's a lizard man. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, I could have done he with the asteroid coming down yeah. at the beginning of the movie. I mean, he's not smoking any meat in the movie, yeah. so I think that's kind of like the merit. Um, <laughs> brisket and ribs. Yeah. <laughs> um, one more thing, I will say, this was one of the. I remember seeing the trailer for it uh, in theaters, and I was like, that looks kind of dumb. But then I never thought of myself as seeing it, and thinking it's one of the best movies like I've ever seen, and I hey. saw it. Can't get to a million friends without making a few enemies. That's very true. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember I watched it like right when it came out on TV uh, on HBO with my stepdad, and it was one of the movies, probably the earliest movie, that made me um, switch from wanting to be an actor to wanting to be a filmmaker because I was just mesmerized by especially the scene where Andrew Garfield um, is fired, and it's mm. still to this day one of my favorite movie scenes. It's just 
gut-wrenching how good everyone is in that scene. And, again, just showcases how amazing Justin Timberlake is. I was going to yeah. say, Timberlake's great. How about Brenda's song, Disney Channel Brenda's star song. in it? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you got uh, uh, Rashida Jones in the mm-hmm. room. Oh, yeah. Who's the girlfriend at the beginning? Erica. That's uh, Oh, that's Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Social Network, and it's still just... Yeah, so it's a, it's a great movie. It's, it's a great movie. A ton of fun. A phenomenal it, opening it, I mean, scene too. Oh, the, the opening scene is my favorite scene. Or no, the getting fired. But that's still an incredible like piece of dialogue. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it probably should have won Best Picture of the Year over The King's Speech. Although Black Swan was my favorite from that year, I think that probably should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever. 2010, man. What it, was a, a year. it was a good year. Yeah. It was a good year. Good year. Uh, my number five is Inside Lumen Davis. Ooh, love love God the pick. That's damn. a good pick. I mean, that movie just, I really like Slice of, Slice of Life. Yeah. And, like, this movie is just, like, you just get a little bit of time with this guy. Like, you're just spending time with him, all the things that's going wrong. It's just, like, peaceful, it's calm, and it makes you sad, but it's good. Like, yeah. I don't know, yeah, great that, music, like, yeah, incredible music. I love, incredible. I love the folk music. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite Coen Brothers movie of the decade, I think, easily. Um, they've been on a kind of a weird um, track the past, like, five years or so but that one is so um it just speaks to all artists trying to do their craft and Mm -hmm. i love all i love the cinematography of it Mm. amazing performance by oscar isaac yeah um and one that doesn't get talked about as much timberlake again yes and just timberlake again and oh my god timberlake in that movie is so funny like legitimately like really good in that movie yeah and carrie mulligan and adam driver (laughs) the first time we ever saw adam driver well i mean i I never watched girls so this is the first time i ever saw adam driver and uh oh my god He's so silly Outer? in that scene. Mm. I love that song. I, that it's song a good is, song. Got nominated so, for a Golden Globe. It's so goofy, but I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great pick. John Goodman's great in it. F. Murray Abraham mm-hmm. in his scene. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, everyone in it that shows up is really good. It's, yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, you, some people may critique it like it didn't really do anything. It kind of just goes in a circle. But that's kind of what I love about it. Yeah, it's a circular, circular narrative. Yeah, it's I like, love it. It just, you, you start somewhere in his life and you end and you don't know, you know where he'll go after that it's like i just i kind of love that you and know? the message because like like it's so many movies it's either like the hero wins or loses and it's like in this it's just like just, sometimes you just live and yeah like, exactly yeah. and he's some stuck in right, this some things he's go wrong. stuck in this endless cycle of mm-hmm. failure and it's like you just feel that like it almost seems like it's beaten over the head but it's also like that is so real to so many people, yeah. and it's almost scary. In and a way. speaks a lot to the film industry, where it's like you really have to like. It's a lot of it is just chance. Like mm-hmm. you can be an amazing artist, but a lot of it is just like chance. Yep, exactly. That's a good pick. All right, my number right, five. Yep, I can't keep track. Okay, this one I won't talk about too much because I don't know. I, I know you haven't seen it. I'm not. I don't think. I also think this you haven't seen it. it. Came out this year. Parasite. Uh, this movie, oh, I've seen Parasite. Oh, you have seen I've it? I've seen okay. Parasite. I don't want to talk about it too much since Josh, you know, and I'm sure, uh, you know, some people still haven't seen it, but it is incredible. Like, I, I don't think, I, I'm, I'm afraid to overhype it, but I don't think it can be because it's just that good. Parasite was like uncut gems for you too. Like, like I was yeah, like, afraid am, am I just like on the hype right now? Or that's I'm afraid of it, but I did see it like a month and a half ago. So I'm pretty confident that like, I just really haven't seen a movie like this. And I know it's one that when I go back, I'm just going to be looking forward to every scene and every performance in this movie is good. Uh, it's, it's just so, I, I, I can't believe like how it all comes together and uh, yeah, Bong Joon-ho, I need to go watch more of his movies. Uh, he is my, I've seen Snowpiercer. one of my favorite directors. I love He's Snowpiercer. Amazing. 
I've seen some of the host, but yeah, I would like to go explore more of his catalog because he's this movie. I, I, I mean, I think I had a chance to win Best Picture because critics love it. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway. I, and I know I haven't seen it, but I'm like, I'm so excited to see it because I don't remember the last time a movie had this much hype and everyone was on the same page about it. Yeah. Like, like everyone was everyone, like, yeah, it was exactly everyone what the hype was saying. Said. Like, Even people that don't love it, they're like, it was good. You yeah. know, like. Right around, like, we remember we were talking about, like, when Cannes was happening, that movie won the Palme d'Or unanimously, which, like, doesn't which, happen. Which one? Parasite. Oh, Parasite, yes. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, it wasn't, uh, that's not super common, and then everyone I've talked to who has seen it has either said it's, like, really good or it's just phenomenal. So yeah, it was the first I, Korean film to ever win the Palme d'Or. So Korean cool. cinema in general is just, Fantastic. like, taking <laughs> off, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, so many of my favorite Along movies with, like, we mentioned Train to Busan Train earlier. to Busan, yeah, and then Burning is also Korean. Mm. Like, amazing movies. Yeah, yeah go, go see Parasite. I it's, will go see Parasite. It's so, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on to number four. We are returning to 2017 with uh, probably... Uh, there's I can't think of a single flaw of this movie. One of my favorite movie going experiences purely because of the story that I'll tell in just a second. It's Lady Bird. Nice. Uh, we Sully and I and our whole group of um, of Dingles went to go see it on <laughs> Friday night in December, and we packed the a whole row. And I remember at the end of it, as soon as it ended, when she gets off the phone and it cuts to black. Everyone gets up and leaves, and our whole friend group is just sitting there in silence, and we don't really know what to make of it. And I remember you broke the silence, and you were just like, "It was just, it was just so perfect." And that's still my thought of that of this movie to this day. I've seen it five times, and every time, it it gets shorter for me. It goes by so much faster. Like the way that it's paced, it's an amazing directorial debut from Greta Gerwig as someone who um, we need to be on the lookout for. Um, she has her new film, Little Women, uh, just came out. Um, yesterday, and in one of my favorite performances, probably ever, in Saoirse Ronan, um, as this um, as this character who is just wanting so much more than she has and hoping for something better, and uh, but also having a really close but also troubling relationship with her mother, and just navigating her way through her senior year of high school, and the way that it's written, amazing dialogue, and just. Everything about it, the way that it's paced, it's fun. It makes me cry. It makes me die laughing. And it, it just, it does everything I want in a movie. And I want to bring it up for this. This is the one thing about the decade that really stands out for me. I mean, we've talked about um, the Marvel movies and the franchise movies. What really stands out for some of these movies to me is how the shift of certain directors making movies that are so personal and about like individuality and about these parts of my life where I was in this weird emotional state and it makes it so much more even though it pertains to one the filmmaker as an individual it's something as an experience that we can all attach ourselves to and Lady Bird uh, is I think one of the best examples of it and I I just love it <laughs> that was just a really good speech you gave yeah. that, was, that was so good um, That's a yeah, lot you made me question why I left it off my honorable mentions because that was such an endearing speech. Yeah, oh, <laughs> personally, like Laurie Metcalf, I thought was just unbelievable, flawless in that mm-hmm. movie. She's so good as the mother, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Lady Bird. I, I I could go for another watch because I guess maybe I just wasn't. I, I don't know something like I I loved it and I have no problems with it and yet so for some reason I guess it just didn't hit as personally with me but yeah it's such a intimate again I I use that word too much but yeah uh, I love I love the the 
path it goes on. I love that Timothy Chalamet and Lucas Hedges are in it and, mm-hmm. the, you know, completely different stories there. I love, yeah, it's it's really, really good. Timothy mm. Chalamet is hilarious in it, too. He is like, really like, he's so, yeah, I just think he's, like, so cool, but he's such a piece of crap. Like, yeah. <laughs> Also, that's a lot of what I was trying to say with, like, the shift from blockbuster movies to, like, indie movies. A lot of it is that we're moving from making movies where studios are just trying to get the most butts and seats as possible, like, sell the most tickets, appeal to the most people, and now we're shifting towards movies where it's like they're starting to realize that if we tell these more personal stories, people actually do relate to them more. Yeah. Because you can find something more personal, like within the story, than like a big budget, crazy, mm-hmm. stupid movie that's shallow and dumb. <laughs> and it's relatable to me because I mean, just as a filmmaker, those are the movies that I want to make. And so I see mm-hmm. people like, and the fact that this movie was the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes for like just a couple weeks, and that it's her first. It's a, her directorial debut, and sh- and it's uh, a female director, and it's this huge. It, it got talked about so much, mm. and it got nominated for so many Oscars that it was just like it was so inspiring. And, and I love hearing uh, Greta Gerwig talk about it too. Like I, I just could love listen to Greta her talk Gerwig. about like, that dude. movie for hours. <laughs> yeah. like she she's so passionate about yeah. it. I love anything she does. Yeah, I like, first fell in love with her with Frances Ha, which she co-wrote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that She's so great in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I can't wait to see... I, I mean, I'm excited to see Little Women. I'm mm. a little disappointed that it's not another original movie from her, because I want to see what else is in her mind, you know? I yeah. want to see what else... I've heard she does some very interesting things with that Oh, story I'm, sh- I'm sure Little mm. Women... I'm not trying to diss mm. Little Women, but I just, I, I'm just i really excited for her next one, which I hope will be like an original story. I want to see mm. what else she can do, you know? Yeah, totally. Ex Machina. Whoa! Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that one. That's I've we watched that I movie mentioned, yeah, I so many times. Mentioned. Like it's just entertaining, good sci-fi, great world building. Um, it's so like isolated, like in the one yeah. building it takes place in. Mm-hmm. Incredible performances, which is pretty consistent through all these lists. But like, God, Oscar Isaac in that movie again. So good. He's very good. And I love Donald Gleason. Oh I think God. he's great in everything that he's in. And Alicia Vikander, this was like, now people mm-hmm. know who she is because she, yeah, was great in this Command movie. performance. Yeah. Incredible yeah. special effects, too. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. mind-numbing. Uh-huh. And that's what I think's, um, so where sci-fi really excels. Because mm-hmm. it's like, obviously, there's the focus on the technology, but underneath it is actually they tapped into something really disturbing that yeah. is so real mm-hmm. that you're just like, it actually made me... When I remember when I first watched it, I was at home alone and I was horrified. <laughs> like yeah. I was so scared. <laughs> I watched it on an airplane for the first time. <laughs> it's probably stupid, but, but I was. But I remember just being like, I was just alone in my thoughts, and I was just like, oh mm-hmm. my god! Like the fact that because yeah, the main appeal of it is that okay, it's this. They're doing the Turing test, and it's about mm-hmm. robots, but it's about you know. Uh, what is humanity? Yeah, what, what is, is humanity? And it's like okay, how are they gonna actually you know do that? But then there's the whole the whole last maybe forty minutes of that movie just. Uh, phenomenal like a great non-stop ending the Mm. expertise of just like the tension between the two characters too the entire time it's just like masterful i do need to see it again the one thing i will say that i remember like not really liking about it was (laughs) that the first the first act or so was a little slow but again maybe i need to rewatch it like maybe my opinion yeah all the conversations between Donald gleason and alicia vikander are just so well written and i just love the way they interact with each other and yeah, shout out to Alex Garland, who also did Annihilation, which I think oh, is another yeah. great, great movie. Love I almost thought about putting Annihilation on my honorable mentions. Uh, I really love that movie, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what else he does. For sure. All right. My number four, I'm pretty sure, is on your list. Not sure about you, Sully. But it's, uh, I'll just jump right into it. It's Whiplash. Nice. It's, mm. it's a thriller that's about jazz drumming. It's like... 
I, I don't know how you could ever like pitch this movie. I guess that's why you know he had the short film first, and then he went from there. Like it's it's so incredible. And what I loved was how many musicians saw this movie because I remember being in band class one day and our band director asking like who had seen it, and it, like almost every hand went up. Even though this movie mm. wasn't like a blockbuster, obviously, but so it was so cool how musicians really came around to it. Uh, J.K. Simmons. I think gives probably the best supporting performance of the decade. Uh, he's so commanding mm-hmm. in every scene he's agree. in. He's so menacing. Uh, Miles Teller's great. It's it's just such a it's such a thrilling, well edited movie, and uh, it's incredible. Yeah, it's on my list, uh, and there's no limited number of spots left. But um, <laughs> it's uh, I just rewatched it a couple of weeks ago actually because I every now and again I get this feeling it's just like I just need to watch Whiplash, and I remember. I wanted to see Whiplash for so long purely because of your recommendation and I wanted to see it before the Oscars because I kept hearing buzz like J.K. Simmons is the performance of the year yeah. and I didn't get the chance to until I bought it which was two days after the Oscars and I remember I watched it and at the end I remember I stood up and I felt like I could just like run like three miles. Oh, I had yeah, the, so much energy. The ending is incredible. It's one of the best endings of uh, like ever. It's so good. The, like I love. Yeah, it's a thriller about jazz drumming. As um, you know, we're like we're all musicians, and watching like you almost think like, okay, is this going to be something that only I am like able to connect to? But like, it's so well paced and so well edited, and it's so much fun. And goddamn, is it intense! Like yes. the whole the first introduction of J.K. Simmons is like you're just like holding onto the sides of your seat. You're just I like, mean, I, yeah, yeah, that scene I think will go down as like one of the scenes in movie history. Like when people look back in twenty the years, not my tempo. Yeah, that yeah. whole scene because like everybody oh. knows that now. When he throws the chair, like oh, it's just incredible. Like, yeah. and it looks great too. Like it's shot so well, amazing color, mm. like this gold tint on just everything, and that again. But again, yeah. yeah, the editing I think is one of the biggest standouts, and I'm glad it won because it's it, it, it jazz, makes baby. the movie. Yeah, you know? it jazz. really does make the movie every choice there. So. I find the last scene so disturbing too. It like is. nothing makes me feel worse than watching that. Like his dad looking in from the mm. back. Oh and, yeah, like that <laughs> always makes my heart sink. Yeah, and, like I just feel like a turtle retreating into its shell because mm-hmm. it's like, but it's filmed like this big grand like epic like haha I win moment, but it's like. He's it's actually, actually just like, yeah. giving in to yeah, everything. Nah, yeah. Again, and that's kind of like what Black Swan does, too, about the uh, the obsessed artist. Yeah, uh, that'd be a good double feature. Yeah. <laughs> Depressing. No, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, yeah the, you know, the obsession with being perfect and, imp- and wanting to impress somebody, whether in Nina's case it's, it seems like it's herself, and then with uh, Andrew mm-hmm. a, impressing J.K. Simmons. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. My number three, I know we talked about Mad Max. Um, I think you said it's your favorite action movie of the decade and of all Full time. Show. I said Where it was for a going? while. I said it was for a while, um, of the decade at least. But um, in recent re- rewatch of my number three pick, I don't know what it was about this rewatch and um, just everything about this movie jumped out in that it was better than I ever thought it was when I first saw it in 2012, and that is... Skyfall. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Great pick. My favorite, I don't want to say too much because, um, hint, hint, it will be the next episode of the film podcast. Um, shout out to, really? shout out to Killian Gummo, who will be on nice. that episode. I just got that on Blu-ray to rewatch it. I'm so excited. Um, I... I don't know what it was. This rewatch, I because I was like, Casino Royale is my favorite Bond movie. This is a close second. But rewatching it, this movie does 
everything that you wouldn't expect a Bond movie to do, and you love it. Like, I am locked in to this movie right from the get-go. There's never a dull moment. It's so, like, an incredible performance from Judi Dench um, as M, and the best Bond villain. Oh, uh, I, I would say one of the best movie villains yeah, in absolutely. Javier Bardem. Um, yeah. as um, Silva. He's so good. The, and you know the, what's very bizarre? I got the Blu-ray. Javier Bardem's name is below the credits. It's the only name. Like it's it's like the whole bottom half of the Blu-ray is white. Then there's like uh, an Ian Fleming novel based on James Bond, Daniel Craig, James Bond Skyfall, and then Javier Bardem. <laughs> it's just like the only name in this huge white space. Yeah, that's just like what, what? did huh. he like negotiate? Is that like on the posters? I have to look he into it. He must have a good agent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh, it's an incredible action movie directed by um, the fantastic Sam Mendes. And the writing, the dialogue is so strong. And um, it's also the most, again, I keep using this word, it's the most personal um, Bond movie. Definitely. It's It yeah. digs deep into what makes Bond a great character. And they did such a great job setting that up in Casino Royale. And it really comes a, a, to a head in um, Skyfall. The whole, there's like three scenes like at least one in each act where you're just like oh my god they can't top this and then they do and i love every minute of it i have to re- rewatch all the daniel craig bonds it's no, been a don't. while since i've seen them it's hey, been a dude, while forget, get ready for the next one that's yeah. coming out i mean you should rewatch casino royale and uh, okay. skyfall but you I, don't need to I don't watch quantum and i don't watch I would put to the be opening fair, scene of Spectre as my number one. To be fair, I <laughs> do need to rewatch Spectre. I just don't like Quantum of Solace, but that's beside Most point. people don't. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, again, yeah, Skyfall is my favorite action movie of the decade. And uh, in 2012 yeah, was such yeah, a big year a for me as well. So I remember seeing I saw it mm. three times in theaters. Adele. Yeah. Adele. Great song. The whole title sequence is incredible. Yeah, so, and that's why it's number three for me. Good pick, yeah. Fair, yeah. I have good time. Oh, nice. I love good time. Um, just the depravity that that movie captures, Ooh, you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's I feel so, gross in yeah. a good way after that. It's not like Foxcatcher where I feel gross and I'm like, I never want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. like, Sorry, I totally cut you off. No, it's okay. <laughs> the way Robert Pattinson plays it, mm-hmm. the way the whole thing's shot, mm-hmm. like, it's just like you hate him, but he's so compelling. Yeah. Like, right. you just... You don't want him to win, but you can't stop looking at him. Mm-hmm. It's just like such this like insignificant story of the shitty person that just does shitty things for two hours straight, but you're so locked in. Yeah. No, it was incredible. And yeah, they're, they're, uh, the Safdie brothers, their style is so unique and yeah. so like in your face. Every mm-hmm. scene just feels like claustrophobic and like takes your breath away. And uh, there's so many twists and turns throughout that movie that just made me go like, Oh my! Like, like, holy shit! Like the the part where the with the real about the, yep. I don't want you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That whole thing, woo! Ah, uh, yeah, that movie's well, like really in, good. In the like the funhouse section mm, is my that's, favorite part. That part's it's also crazy. Like, on like the fact that there's like okay, as soon as he goes on the run, then mm-hmm. there's a scene, and then there's another scene, then there's yeah, another it just like doesn't scene. stop. It doesn't yeah, because you mm-hmm. almost think that it's going to be like this movie's going to take place over the course of a couple of days. Like you know, he's mm-hmm. going to do, he's going to go get some money, break his brother out, maybe some more things are going to happen. But then it just keeps yeah. going and going and going and going in this one night, and yeah. it's like, yeah. I, my quick theory about that movie is that movie doesn't work without Robert Pattinson. I the, 100% agree. I can't his, picture a single other person in the not role. Not because his performance is just is just incredible, but it's also because he's a recognizable face as someone mm-hmm. who is like deemed, you know, somewhat likable mm-hmm. and 
he takes on this role just such a douchebag. You're yeah. like, but you can attach yourself to him because he's Robert yeah, Pattinson. Yeah, it would be hard like, to like be as compelled to watch this dude if it was anyone else. Yeah, that's a great pick though. And the aesthetic, like the whole aesthetic, oh the God. poster with him coming out of like the bottle of Sprite and like yeah. his like bleach blonde hair. <sighs> mm-hmm. All the outfits the, are really the score. The score, is the score. Only un- I don't know. Well, however you pronounce point, it, never. Yeah, he also yeah. did the score. He also did unc- unc- Uncut Gems. He's credited as his actual name, though. But mm-hmm. yeah, both great scores for both movies. Um, after now seeing Good Time, and I think they improved with Uncut Gems. Like I, I can't wait to see what what they do next. Do like, I'm I was blown away by Uncut Gems, and I really really like Good Time too. Yeah. I'm so excited to see that, and it is killing me. I promised I'd see it with Casey and Heather, so like okay. I have to wait till they're will, both free. And I'm like, love oh. it. Yeah. like, you have to like. I didn't want to overhype it for Josh after I saw, but I'm like, Josh is gonna love this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, my number three similarly takes a well-loved, beautiful actor and makes him into a creepy, terrible person, and that's Nightcrawler. Uh, yes, I, Nightcrawler. I Thank feel like God. it's a movie that. A lot of people would watch and like and enjoy, but they wouldn't ever consider it maybe as like top of the year, decade, whatever. But for me, I, I it, you know, I remember it kind of coming and going. It came, I think it came out in like September. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about it except the title. And I, at first, you know, I thought it was in like a, the blue, the blue guy Nightcrawler. And I'm like, Jake Gyllenhaal is playing that Nightcrawler? And then no, no, not, not that one. Wouldn't be bad casting. <laughs> no, it'd be great. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, when I finally got around to seeing it, I was just blown away by the movie. And his performance is so transformative, and he's so into it. And the fact that he wasn't nominated, I think, is the biggest snub like ever. Maybe I think it's stupid, bad, terrible. I ranted to my girlfriend yeah. for about like three no, hours it, about it that. It actually one. like pisses like, me off. Yeah, like because he's so good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's this movie that. I, I can always tell like a movie is one of my favorites when I get giddy about like every scene that's coming up like oh it's this scene oh it's this scene like <laughs> that's the way I feel about this movie is like I love every moment it's so good Riz Ahmed's great Rene Russo's great Bill Paxton like great Bill Paxton's great um I love this movie so 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 much it was and I've seen I've rewatched it like six times now wow. I just I can't stop watching it I just I'm addicted to this movie. I've rewatched it a lot <laughs> yeah. too and it's weird because it is a movie that I kind of forget about uh-huh. when I'm not watching it but then when I watch it I'm like is this one of the best movies of all time mm-hmm. yeah just every time I would rewatch it it like climbed up my list more and more mm-hmm. and more and more and like here we are number three of the decade like it it was very 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 difficult not to put it on my mm-hmm. list again it's in my honorable mentions uh, and I think and maybe you'll feel differently. <laughs> but in my opinion, Jake Gyllenhaal gives the performance of the decade. The best performance yeah. by any actor or actress I could of totally the decade get is Jake Gyllenhaal's movie. I remember I saw the trailer and I was like, I need to see that. I need to. Because to me, it looked like End of Watch and Network like mixed together. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I told my mom, I was like, we need to see this. And we both just loved it. And I just like raved about it ever since. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a movie I keep telling people like I got my parents to watch it. I can't remember if I made Heather watch it yet, but uh, I, I try to get everyone to watch it that again. I'm like, hey, watch Nightcrawler if you've never mm-hmm. seen it. It'll blow your goddamn mind. Yeah, again, I, I said that I spent three hours ranting about it to my girlfriend, and that sounded like hyperbole. Mm-hmm. You can ask her. It was three it's, hours. Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's no reason why. Like, that year was uh, Eddie Redmayne won, and uh, uh, who else was not? Like, Michael uh, Keaton. Michael Keaton should have won just for, and, you know. Um, uh, Bradley Cooper and. <laughs> <laughs> um, fucking uh, Steve like Carell. bad southern accent yeah. and like 
I, I just think movie, of American like, Sniper is literally like diet Hurt Locker. It's mm. like you take Hurt Locker, <laughs> yeah, hurt take locker. Hurt Locker, and just like yeah, diet and fill it with like <laughs> water it down. Thing like I've ever yeah, heard. Like, not painful n- Locker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was a tragedy. That he, I think. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, again, coming on September, not a lot of people saw it. That's probably mm-hmm. had something to do with it, as opposed to people not thinking he was, you know, worthy. Uh, I'm glad the screenplay got nominated. Yes. That was really cool to see. We should have been nominated for picture and director, too. Well, he, that was Dan Gilroy's directorial debut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, but what did he, he did another movie recently. So he did, right? he did Roman J. Israel. Yeah. The one with oh, Denzel the, the one I didn't see. Hair. I haven't seen it. I've it seen did, it. It's not a good movie. Yeah, it didn't like, appeal to me. Um, yeah. Which is sad, because again, yeah. he's such a great. But yeah, Nightcrawler. Oh. A fantastic Ooh. L.A. movie, too. Yeah. Like, you really get a sense Ooh, of yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah, like, L.A.'s like, I hate, I kind of hate when critics say this, but like, L.A. is like a character in a movie. Like, Mm-hmm. It really is like, and I I think yeah, it's it's so good. Again, yeah, I, I, shout out to Riz Ahmed because I think he probably could deserve to get nominated for this movie. But uh, yeah, great great movie. Well, because Hall doesn't work if Riz right. Ahmed like, isn't bouncing there, like, off yeah. each other. Yeah. Like, like it's funny too. Like when he's and like, also- I could ask for more, couldn't I? He's like, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that part. I love oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so good. And yeah, the way they bounce off each other just elevates the tension oh and, and every it's also, scene it's horrifying like, like it's so scary when he like smashes that mirror yeah it's like that scene that right there should have won on the Oscar yeah. but whatever mm-hmm. uh yeah and when he takes Rene Russo like it's so he's so creepy isn't a friend just a gift you give yourself one of my favorite <laughs> like lines yeah in the movie he's so that. creepy and like gross and like yeah I'm just still pissed he didn't get nominated yeah. whatever stupid Oscar what do you know <laughs> all right Getting down to the top two. Uh, my number two was already mentioned, and there's not really a whole lot more I could say about it, but it's Whiplash. Uh, 2014, again, command year for movies. Uh, and this movie, again, the one thing I didn't say about it when we mentioned it earlier is just how fun it is. Mm. How endlessly entertaining it is at an hour and 47 minutes. It never stops. And it it's just, it's. I, I can't get over the fact that it's about drumming and how visually like engaging it is and how just all the characters are so rich and the fact that again on this rewatch it's a great movie where the main character you can lock in with him and really kind of connect with him even though he's not that great of a person Mm. like he is like miles teller again amazing performance also uh has so many flaws in his character but i'm just like i understand what you're doing because it's like i've also been there like struggling to be an artist and trying to have people understand what i want to do and that sounds very pretentious but like um just wanting to connect with people on what i like on the work that i the art that i make and like this is one of the best examples of that and again just amazing performance by jk simmons the way that they bounce off of each other and he even has that great emotional scene when he's talking about like his former student and you're just like, yes, this is yeah, why. Yeah, that's why I was just thinking about this earlier today when I was thinking about it because I know sometimes performances that win Oscars can just be like they yell a lot. But J.K. Simmons in that scene is has a quiet moment too and like mm-hmm. is like has this scene where he like is human. So it's, it's, it's that's why it's, I think, one of my favorite performances of the decade because it, he's just, he's so good. Yeah. And this and La La Land show that Damien Chazelle is a force to be reckoned with. yeah, I can't wait to see his next movie. Yeah, and also, First Man, also really, really good, mm. I will say. I um, almost put First Man on my top Oh, wow, really? I really I did, yeah. It's so good. Dumb, dumb. Yeah, so he needs... That's another one where the last scene just crushes me. Yes, oh my God. Yeah. But he, um, but Damien Chazelle needs to just keep making movies, no matter what it is, because he shows he's great with... Um, Damien Chazelle needs to keep crushing me with his last scenes. Yeah, <laughs> psychological thrillers, musicals, and he can um, do anything. <laughs> he just needs just keep making movies, please. All right, 
Number My two. number two. Uh, have either of you seen a little film called Shoplifters? No. I haven't, but I've also heard of that one, yes. Mm-hmm. That movie... I saw it when I was in Ireland, and I sat in the movie theater for, like, I think 20 minutes after the credits finished rolling, just, like, in complete awe of what I just saw. It's just a beautiful meditation on, like, like what a family is, what it means to be a family, um, like, class struggle, like, struggling with money. It's just a really and beautiful that, that movie. And that won the Palme d'Or, too, didn't it? Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not much more I can say about it beyond that, because, like, it is a movie that if it's spoiled for you, it's probably not going to be as good. Okay, but yeah. it's just, like, an absolutely beautiful movie. You, I'm you, have a very, you have a very cultured list. A lot of foreign films say, on yeah. there. <laughs> you came in here thinking you were, like, had the bad taste. No, no, you, you, no. Got the, you got the critical. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, I'm always interested in, like, the movies that win the Palme d'Or and when I heard about that one. And yeah. also this year with Parasite I, and just how... Yeah. They've come. They've again shifted to so many um, personal, almost like slice mm-hmm. of life. I mean, yeah. not slice of life, but like movies that just seem super intriguing about people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I like it. Just intrigues me so much to see both that and Paris and like, Burning. I remember. Yeah, I and, remember hearing about yeah. Shoplifters and Burning around the same time because I think they both competed at the same Cannes Film Fest. I think Fest. I saw them in the same day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I I kept hearing so many good things about both, so I really need to check those off my list. Shoplifters also has some of the best performances I've ever seen in film. Yeah, I mean, um, Asian cinema is, like, so top-notch, and I think the West really needs to start. I think we're getting there with, like, a lot of these movies getting wider releases. They're barely screened, yeah. Yeah, but terrible. I think we're starting to realize, like, how good Asian cinema is, you know, Korean, Japanese, and Chinese. They just, like, know, all that, like, they just know how to make a, a human connection yeah. with their audiences. And it's also just so interesting to just, like, live in a life that we're not always living in. Because, yeah. like, we see all these stories that take place in America, and it's like... Yeah. All right. Like, okay. We're, I know America. Before. Yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah, but like when I'm watching shoplifters, I'm like, oh, this is what people like in a same class situation situation as me are going through over there, and it's just like such so eye opening and like touching. Hmm. The power Agreed. of cinema. Agree. Yes. Well, my runner up is one we already talked in depth about, so I won't say too much here. But it's Mad Max Fury Road. I, uh, <laughs> it's. It's a it's it's my favorite action movie of all time. I love it to death. Um, I I had something to say that I was oh well, I was just gonna give a shout out to Nicholas Holt because I think he's really, oh yeah I think we didn't really talk about him too much but he's really good in this movie too. I really want to. It would take a lot of effort, but I really want for Halloween to go as as uh, Nux as him or just a war boy in general. Uh, but you know, I I'd have to go for it, like yeah. right, like shirtless with the white paint. Like I don't know if I can commit to that, but I really want him because I think that'd be such a cool costume. Um, yeah, I just adore Mad Max from start to finish. It's just amazing. Shout uh, out to the big guy that rubs his nipples. Yeah, the whole movie. <laughs> what a what a choice. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a strange movie. Yeah, all, all the the really obese women with like tied to the pumps and like <laughs> yeah the world building is so just bizarre but mm-hmm. yeah morton joe is so cool like his look and yeah i just i really like the movie and yeah and i also think what's again again with the world building is that like you think of mad max as just these like just driving down a road and blowing shit up kind of movie <laughs> but like this actually showed that this world that they're living in it, it helps you empathize with the characters because of how gross the world is it's just like like a Morton Joe and it's just like all of like everything he's doing with the water and like how that like almost everyone below him they're almost like just like peasants and it's just uh, yeah. so despicable but it's like it helps you connect with oh, the also another thing I want to shout out is just in the in the chase scene when he's running away at the beginning they uh I got George Miller the editor specifically like removed um frames to give it that yeah. like a, like 
like that weird look. I remember watching it for the first time. Like, why does it look this way? Mm-hmm. Like, it looks so. But I think it adds to the adrenaline of him trying to escape, and he jumps under the hook. And like, yeah, the whole beginning of that movie is I mean, the whole everything yeah. of that movie is good. And again, like you think like every like next jump they make in action would be a normal action movie's last set piece. So, yeah, like, mm-hmm. the whole thing with the sandstorm literally in the first. 15 minutes of the yeah. movie you're like this feels like the end of the movie like but then it like well yeah when i was watching it i was watching it with my girlfriend and she said and she, i was i turned her and i said and that's just the first set piece because yeah. <laughs> like, it is it's like yeah and they're all so clever they're all so unique like like you said the poles that are like swinging back and forth between the cars you have like the bikes that are like jumping through the hills yep. like yep. everything's so clever like so nothing i like the spiky cars those are the cool. spiky cars yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. all right do, uh, we, wait, do we all have the same number one? I feel I like I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't. No, I don't have the I same. Don't number think one. Okay, I think we have the same. We number we one definitely now. do. But uh, so we can tag team this. Sure, we have sure. made it. There's no movie in all of the decade that has um, stayed with me much like my number one. We saw it together. We sure did. And back in 2014, and have sung its praises ever since. It's a honestly, in my eyes, a perfect movie, uh, and. Also a former film episode, but it is Birdman. Yes, yes, it is Birdman. Yeah. Um, anyone who knows me just knows that I have just endlessly talked about this movie. It's one of my all. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's um, Michael Keaton's performance in this movie. He again, we said just from those nominations, he should have won. Yeah. Uh, it's so like. It's a return to form for him in a role that is just so damaged and um, brilliant cinematography by Emmanuel Lubetsky, who's my personal favorite cinematographer. Sure. Incredible dialogue. Um, all out-of-form performances for um, a lot of people in this movie, particularly um, Naomi Watts, mm-hmm. Emma Stone, and Zach Galifianakis. All of yeah, that, everyone's great in this movie. Everyone it's is such so a phenomenal good. cast. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the three performances that all got nominated, like I think there's a case that all of them could have won because yeah. Emma Stone when she's yelling at him, oh my god, it's such a like it's such a good scene, like and her, that monologue there is just incredible. Edward Norton's such like I love how also Edward Norton and Michael Keaton are basically playing like forms of themselves. Yeah. like mm. it's it's such a cool, it's such great casting there. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. I I can't stop thinking of the smells like balls. Like <laughs> it's such a good line. Like it's so funny. Yeah, and it's it's. An, it's I love that it's a movie. The two things that it really does well is that it sets the themes and this like overall message in a story that you wouldn't necessarily, it disguises itself as a movie about he's trying to put on a play, but it's also about him trying to, you know, again, do something that matters and do something that's worthwhile. Um, And it, um, for me, just personally, and I said this on the episode, it takes away all of the myths about how, um, certain medias can't be melded together. So many people say you don't want to have too much dialogue in film, or else it becomes theater. Mm. This movie literally Proves that is that's, yeah. theater in like yeah. on screen. Like it, it's just what it is. There's so much dialogue. It's literally it is reliant on amazing dialogue and great monologues. And again, the way that it's shot, how it's all just one fluid shot. It locks you in. And again. It's so much fun. Like yeah, really I can't is. stop watching it. Yeah, I remember, you know, after seeing this movie and giving it like my critical evaluation and I gave it a ten out of ten, like which I don't do ever. Like I don't even know if Mad Max is like a ten or like some of those other ones like Whiplash. I think I'll have like small nitpicks, but this movie, like, I really like have nothing wrong with it. Like everyone's phenomenal. Every scene is needed. The the fact that they can 
just well i guess every scene is kind of the same scene right because they just keep going and like you I, this most recent time i looked for i looked for where the cuts are and like obviously when it like fades from day to night i'm pretty sure obviously those are cuts there i think um but like yeah the the way that they can keep going and it's all one take it's just like it's so impressive and i'm so glad that michael keaton's like back with us as like you know like an a-lister again because he's so good and i've always loved him and yeah i just i love this movie so so much What's your number one, Sully? Well, can I just say beforehand, how does it make you feel that you share number one with my dad? Oh, <laughs> I was really? his number one too. Yeah, oh, wow. I also have his top five if you want to hear it at the end. Yeah, we'll do but, that. Um, let's hear Sully's dad's top five. <laughs> Michael. So, <laughs> Michael has a very interesting taste in yeah. movies. Um, my number one is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Of course. Yeah. It, like, really, all I can say about it is it truly is the movie that sparked my interest in filmmaking, but just also sparked my interest in watching movies. Mm like as an art and not just like as something you do as a kid like that was really the evolution for me to like start actually like breaking down movies like breaking them apart and really like enjoying them for what they are so that's all i have to say yeah about i mean yeah. We, we talked about we, it, we, already. Yeah, like, it was my number bit, 10 yeah. or nine actually and yeah I, I love that movie as well it's again and can i also say again i thought that movie I, for no reason i think that movie came out in 2009 came out in 2010 so mm. that did push kingsman the secret service off my list oh. but that was number 10 uh, okay yeah. that's another another fun poor little ball kingsman. of fun movie. yeah <laughs> that is our list of the top 10 movies of the decade i think just to round this out um well first i definitely want to hear your dad's you want to hear my dad's top five yeah let's do that right now let's okay, hear your okay. dad's Here we go. Top five. speed round my dad's top five Oh, wait, do I only have his top four? Okay, La La Land was the last one he told me. Mm. Well, I'll go... Okay, number one was Birdman. Okay. Number two, San Andreas. <laughs> what a jump. <laughs> I forgot jump. that was a movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> number three, 2012, starring John Cusack. Yes. That didn't come out this decade, Sully. <laughs> That's the, don't tell me that. Tell <laughs> my dad that. Michael, if you're listening. <laughs> number, but it's called 2012. Okay. Number four... <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming. I do love. I love Spider-Man Homecoming. I know, but for my dad. Yeah, yeah. And then number five was La La Land. Okay, yeah, yeah that's definitely a, that's very, a strange, really weird list. Strange, yeah. strange you know, it's a great movie. A skyscraper. Oh my god, <laughs> front row, baby. Um, my dad never saw Skyscraper. Somehow, I feel like if he likes Andreas, I'm pretty sure he'd probably like. Skyscraper. I think he would like Sky. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> To round this out, I think we should all, and I mean, we've talked about it so much with all of these movies, and this decade has, well, we've all grown so much that this decade, and I just want to give, just to end it out, quick thoughts from each of you of what this decade means to you personally. When you're going to look back on these movies, on your top 10, what is it What is it all encapsulate about your love of film, and how? what does this decade mean for you? So I can start, yeah. Okay. Uh, personally, it really is just, like you asked how are critics going to look back at this 10 years of film uh, in the future? I know for me that this is going to be like the decade of films for mm. me, just because it's what like formed me as a film goer and as like a video production major, you yeah. know, mm. like this is, this is the decade that defined me. This is the decade I grew up in. Um, it's a decade that is defined by its independent spirit, but also like it's insane blockbuster achievements. So I don't know. Great decade. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt? Yeah, similarly, you know, I do have a lot of connection with the 2000 decade, but I feel like this one, movie-wise, is definitely the one I'm going to be thinking about because 
begin the beginning of the decade i was like 12 ish and that was when my parents started taking me to more mature movies and i started you know engaging that so i remember distinctly them taking me to the king's speech and my first thought when that movie ended was i was in love with the score i thought i still it's one of my favorite scores um even though it was competing with social network that year so obviously i prefer that one but i and my parents were so impressed like that and that just this makes me sound like such a pretentious bitch but like that a 12 year old would even care about the score of a movie and so that was like the first time i started to realize like i really really love movies and film and like i i pushed my parents more and more to like see all these movies and in 2012 i remember it was like my goal to see every best picture nominee before they came out so i was i found amour the french film mm. online and my parents were like what what are you doing like looking for a french film online like what, go do things your kids your are age you looking are looking for like, porn like go go play on your xbox like why are you doing this instead of like mm. what normal like but so uh, i discovered you know a lot of myself through my love of film in this decade and it's still, you know, when people introduce me to others, like the, one of the first things they say is he likes movies or like, and mm. I'm fine with that because I just, I do. And this decade I think has a little bit of everything. Like mm. I, I, there, I had a lot of honorable mentions and there's so many more I could list off that I love about, I love this and this movie. I love this about this movie. And it's such a great, great decade. And I, I will remember it fondly for years to come. I also think that this decade has more folding cities than any decade <laughs> prior what are, what are or to come. Cities other than Doctor Strange. Yeah. Doctor Strange does fold cities. Any others? Mm. No, but no. how many were in 1990? <laughs> uh, you know, how many were <laughs> in 2000? <laughs> you make a solid point. Um, yeah, I mean, I've already spoke uh, spoken a lot about it of why I love you know these movies and the decade as a whole. It's kind of a combination of both of yours. It's like this was the decade that I started to think about movies more, just beyond you know, it was good. It was fun. You know, I, like mm-hmm. my my hori- my horizon started to broaden and uh i went to movies more for an experience and all of these movies gave me very certain like very um specific experiences and it was the decade that made me want to be a filmmaker and showed me the power of what movies could do and it's had a lot of ups and downs for sure but i mean we've said it before every decade has uh and it's been there's so at this point there's so much content to take in it's like just insane and i'm gonna look back on this decade and say like this was the decade where i noticed that i connected more with characters on a personal level in Mm. movies i had more fun at the movies than i've ever had than any other decade and i like just seeing people like put their craft out there and like there was so much passion in movies too all of these movies have un, like a whole other level of passion even the ones and ones in my honorable mention too and it showed me passion on all different sides on writers perspective directors even like you know production design like in the score and musical scoring and i think to a certain extent even fan interaction i was gonna yes. say with media, harry potter yeah. being in your list like fan interaction for sure too. yeah and again just there were there's communities the community mm-hmm. aspect of film with either franchise films or with these indie movies, that movies are connecting with people more, I, I think, in different ways than you would expect. They're bringing out emotions. It's not just a happy movie. It's not just like, I'm just going to laugh. Like Sometimes like movies like Good Time, it's make you feel gross, but it, it brings out this mm-hmm. reaction of something that you wouldn't expect to get in a theater. And that's why I go to the movies, for an experience that's going to affect me as a person and that I'm going to be thinking about um, for years to come and I will look back on this decade with fondness. So with that, happy new year from us. Thank you guys so much. Happy new year. Woo! Happy new decade. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. let's see what comes from the next one. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of Frankly, I Love Movies. This podcast was produced by Selvin J. Harris, who also did all of the cover art for this new season. And I just want to thank you all again for listening to another year of Frankly, I Love Movies. Please stay tuned. We have some really, really great, fun new things coming for 2020. If you'd like to check out more film stuff, go on Twitter and follow Frankly underscore podcast or me at drywall21. And on Instagram, I'm at joshvaljosh21. And as always, have a happy new year, and I'll see you in the next decade. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies.